Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. Uh, just a reminder again that the name of the church is Bridge City Church. So we're in the business of building bridges into the community and knocking down walls that stop us from allowing people to come to have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's our job, to knock down those walls and to build bridges into the community that surrounds us. That's our job. That's what we're called to do in this place. Okay. So, how's everyone enjoying the new year? New finance... New Robin. It's the new financial year, isn't it? That's right, we had the first week of the new financial year. Um, Our... When I was in a farm business, it was actually quite a busy time of the year. We spent a lot of time trying to get organised and, and uh, just arrange our finances and getting things, or buying posts and fence fire to minimise our tax and whatever else we do at that stage. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting that my last day of the financial year, last, last Friday the 30th, I spent in the dentist chair. Traumatic. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. If we want to talk about finances, it was very traumatic. But it was interesting, he was late coming in to see me. He was telling me that uh, he was in the midst of his end of financial year um, thing, trying to purchase things. To, I told him he could buy a new Land Cruiser to drive to work or maybe even give me a little bit of a discount. But he wasn't prepared to buy into that. He said, no, we're happy to take your money to take Paul. Yeah, so it's the end of the year. We're trying to get ourselves reset and re- begin the year again. I was talking to someone recently who's on their way to Darwin and he said to me that he saw that as an opportunity to have a reset. Now, I think, it's, I think he's going to have a holiday, to be honest. I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a new code for... The new code for holiday is have a reset. That, that word reset really stuck in my mind. We, um, the idea of being restored and having a restoration to factory settings. Um, we can fiddle with our lives, can't we? We can... Um, have it work and begin to work in their own life and other people can actually speak into our life and begin to adjust those factory settings. Um, Brett, our IT man, understands the value of what, when someone still begins to fiddle with their settings on their email account and they can't get it to work. Have you tried switching it off and on again? No. You understand. So that's, that, that's, that's a, a picture of that, where we can lose that. We can begin to get to a point where we can't connect, where we can't make that connection because we can't receive or send information at that point. Um, back at Lamaru, at a church family in Lamaru, I am the most wise person when it comes to the sound desk. Now, I'm in awe of Daniel and his team because I fiddle with things and then they don't work. <laughs> Every time, I come, I come to, if I come to spend some time in Murrabidge, I'll be there and then I'll get a message to say, what's going on with the sound desk? It just seems to be the way it is. And that said, it's pretty frightening to think that I might be the wisest person in that place. But there is a secret button on that machine which you push and it restores everything to factory settings. So that's what we've trained our people to do. The scripture that I was really reflecting on around that reset was um, Psalm 51. And I want to read that to you this morning. It's out of the message translation, which really captures, for me, the sense of that reset, that re-establishment. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. I love that. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. 
bring me back from my grey exile. We see that picture of that lack of colour in our life, when we lose the colour in our life. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so that the lost can find their way home, the hub. Commute my death sentence, God. My salvation... Commute my death sentence, God. My salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God, I'll let loose with your praise. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. Has anybody had those moments of being a heart-shattered life? We'd, he sees us. He sees us in those moments. I think that's just a beautiful... Uh, translation which the shares that's that great that classic scripture we know yeah i'm actually going to read it out again out of the new living translation let me just compare that it says create in me a clean heart O god renew a loyal spirit within me do not banish me from your presence and don't take your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You do not reject a broken and repentant heart. And we understand that the Bible scholars, when was that? That psalm penned, what did it coincide with? It was written, ah, well, my understanding is, I'm looking at the Bible scholars to tell me, but that's okay. Um, the prophet Nathan had visited David, King David, and told him of his adultery, of his, his uh, conspiracy to commit murder. And so he was reflecting back on that, and he was realising the worthlessness of his own efforts. How did I get to this place? I can imagine him saying, how did I get to this place? From that moment of repentance, when he understood the significance of what, he, what has played out. Has anybody in that place where you think, oh, how did I get to this place? How did I get to this place in my life? What's, what's, what's happened? Because it's never our intention. I don't believe it's ever our intention to find ourselves when we're in this place where our factory settings are off, off skew. I said before, people in our own life, and our own self-talk, adjust those settings and we, we can't understand why we found ourselves in this place. So I want to talk to us four things that will help us to restore those factory settings for us as people of faith as we do journey to care. The first one is this scripture. It says, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Yeah, to abide in the presence of Jesus. To abide means to dwell not just to be a visitor, just to actually be in his presence. And we understand that if we visit a home, it's much different to when we go and dwell in the place, isn't it? We, when we turn up to visit, everything's schmicko, the junk room's full, amazing. But if you come and live there, things, we get to see the culture of the home. You get to experience what the culture of that home is like. You just spend time in that place. If we visit, we miss what's been going on in the past few weeks or even months as we come to that point. So we don't have the context when we come to this place. So when we spend time and abide, we understand the context, we understand the culture. 
if we visit a house, not again, we miss the unwritten rules. We miss the things that are given, um, that just happen. Uh, many of our church family in Lamaru are of Filipino descent or South African descent. So when they go, when we go to visit their home, we must. The, the, their culture says that we take off our shoes before we cross the threshold. And for it takes me. I'm always nervous about whether I've changed my socks as we go. There. <laughs> but that's that's their culture. That's what that and that's what they are, that's what we're expected to do. And they never. It was never any point where they said to me, "That's what we do." I I went there. A number of times observed what they did and understood that that was their culture, that was the way that they did things in their household. Abiding in that place. We call to abide in Jesus. Yeah. As we dwell in that place, things soak into us. The truth that was stored in our silence, we spend time together, comes out when there's a storm in our life. Yeah, if we're a visitor and not a member of the household, then we miss out the highlights. And sometimes we miss the essentials. If we turn up every so often, we'll miss the full and balanced time with Jesus. Yeah. So what are those keys to our reset? We have the privilege of speaking to God in the flesh. We can have an ongoing exchange with the real person of Jesus through his spirit. What a privilege that is for us as people of faith to do that. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. I say that every time I speak in church, I hear myself saying, we can come boldly to the throne of grace at those moments when we need it the most. And that's when we failed, when we stumbled, King David, Psalm 51. And the more we invest in those focused moments of, of, of being, abiding in God, then the more our default setting, that default setting becomes to pray first, to seek his presence first, and then do our default position, and as often as people, is to what can we do? What can we do in that moment? God's been speaking to me for a long time. Pray first, Paul, then reflect on what we're going to do. The scripture tells us in Philippians 4 to be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray. Pray. Number two, persistence. Persistence. I'm going to read you this scripture out of James. and It talks about the persistence of Elijah. But I can't just read that, that little part of it. I want to read the, 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 from 13 through to 18 because it's such a wonderful piece of scripture for us today, I believe. It says this, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are with his frailties, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth yielded its crops. Persistence. Elijah there, that picture, James uses that picture of, and he uses the word earnest. The Greek word where it says earnest says prayed with prayer. It speaks of persistence, prayer upon prayer in that place. If we look at, we look at the story of Elijah, Elijah spoke in that situation. He declared the promises of God over that situation and then he prayed. There's a, he said, as it said in that scripture, there is a sound of an abundance of rain as he prayed for rain. Then he prayed. Seven times he called upon God to break the grout. And six times, what did the servant come back and say? 
No rain, no sign. But the seventh time, boom. What the scripture doesn't record for us is the time between those seven visits, whether it was whether he had to walk kilometres and kilometres to see that, whether it was um, in quick sequence. It could have been seven minutes, could have been seven hours, it could have been over seven days that he continued to pray. It could have been over a longer time. But at any other timing, it was a need for persistence. So pray upon prayer, ask upon asking, seek upon seeking. Earnest prayers aren't necessarily loud or long or eloquent. Help is a good prayer. Help is a good prayer. Simplicity. Don't depend on your feelings as you pray. Don't depend on what you, what you sense in your own in your, in your spirit, in your physical body, in your emotions, in your mind, in your will. Don't measure your prayers by how you feel when you pray, but to the, but to the extent to which they are in agreement with God's word and God's will. To the extent to which they are in agreement with God's word and God's will, they aren't dependent on their state of weakness or strength. Again, it's not about our physical situation at that point or emotional or spiritual point. My grace, my grace, my grace, <laughs> my grace is all you need, it says in the scripture. My power works best in your weakness. Yeah, and we reflect back on that psalm of David. That reflects that point of absolute brokenness in his life when he had that chance to pray that prayer. Come broken, come as you are. And there are times when we pray and we almost qualify our prayers with the word not why will but yours don't we say that we, and we, that's a great thing to do to, to, to connect our prayers to the will of God but I sense sometimes that we use that as a, as a disclaimer we say well it's, it's almost an excuse for a faithless prayer <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to turn, a, turn that on our heads and begin to think okay so if the promises of God are there for us then let's, let's say his will is for us to, for so many different things it's not a disclaimer Maybe we should dare to dream about that destiny that he has for our life. Maybe we need to open up and reflect on that, what that be. Here's a question for you. I didn't bring any chocolates today either, I'm sorry. Last month I came with a box of chocolates, but maybe next month. You shouldn't come every... Like they said, yeah, don't expect that, that's wrong. It's a blessing, not an expectation. So what's the first step in making a dream a reality? What is that? Who's going to be bold enough to tell me what I think? What not the, God's will, yeah. What do we do with God's will? How do, if we want to make that come into our life, how do we do that? Open up your mouth, speak, speak it out. Begin to declare those promises, declare those things that he says about you into the heavenlies, into the atmosphere. And that brings me to the third point. It's the, uh, to apply the promises of God, to apply the things that he's placed in our hands through his, through his written word and the living word into our life. What are those great things we have? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away and all things are new. God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. John 5, 15, 16 says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. And Murray shared John 3.16, what a beautiful scripture that is, we can hang our hats on. I love 3.17 where it says he doesn't, God didn't come to condemn us, he came to save us. That's my favourite verse in 3.17. So as we begin to proclaim those things over, speak them out over our lives, 
The truth is always the truth, regardless of the circumstance we find ourselves in. The truth is always the truth, regardless of the circumstance we find ourselves in. It remains the truth. And the accuser will come and try and upset us with negative emotion and those seeds of doubt. Those seeds of doubt. Is this really for you? Are you good enough to claim that for your life? What about blah, blah, blah? And this goes on. Did God really say that about your life? Then I went, well... Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He did say all those things about you, those promises I've just began to read to you. It's not hyper-faith. It's not name it and claim it. Please don't hear me saying that. It's not what I'm saying. If that was the case, if hyper-faith worked, then I, Brett and I would both have a, a... I'd have an Atlantis blue two-door Monaro in my driveway and he would, he would have a black one. That's not the way it works. I did, we, both of our, we both owned one in, in a past life. When did you sell yours, Brett? When did you sell your Monaro? Yeah, six years. Mine was longer than that. I still wake up at night dreaming of that car. <laughs> anyway. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. What does God say about the situation we find ourselves in? Preaching Jesus so that people hear about him. Taking the written word and the living word and applying that into our life, not name it and claim it. Our words impact others. Importantly, they impact us. They impact the way, they impact the spirit, soul and body. Words are spirit. I'll share a word another time about how the power of words. In fact, they are, word, they are spirit and they impact the heavenlies as we open our mouth and speak them out. Ever had a thought in your head and thought, well, that makes really good sense. You, you just mull over it for you. That's a great thing. That's great. And then you begin to speak it out. And you realise that it's possibly the most silliest idea that you've ever had in your whole mind. Have you ever, anyone had that experience when you begin to speak? Oh, gee whiz. Speak it out. I encourage you to speak those words out so that you, that you might discern. Yeah. Speak the truth over your life. Speak the truth over other life. Can these dry bones live? Well, yes, they can. God says that they can. There are situations where we think there is no hope. Yes, he can. God says, yes, they can. Let's keep doing that as we do the journey of faith together. What are the lines? There is there no for, there's therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who abide in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ, and therefore there is no condemnation. Just apply them. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. The writer of Hebrews reminds us we have an advocate who advocates for us day and night. He's there advocating for us every moment, every day as we stumble around and do the things that we do. He's an advocate for us. Jesus is our advocate who never sleeps or slumbers. He pleads for us. First aid training. Who's done first aid training? Awesome. So if someone cuts themselves and you put a bandage over the top, Esther, what do we do? If that keeps bleeding through, what do we need to do next if it keeps bleeding? <laughs> 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 Remind me not to ask Esther if I cut my arm. <laughs> what do we do? We get, another, we get another bandage. We get another bandage. We don't take the other one off. We put the next one over and stick it over the top. We don't peel off the other one and say, well, that doesn't work. We leave that in place and we put another bandage over the top, another bandage. So same with the Word of God. We just continue to apply those declarations over that situation. Don't, don't step back. Don't, please don't step back from that. Apply those declarations over that wound. I guess what I would reflect on that is... So what promises do you feel disqualified from? Just take, it's, it's true this week, just reflect on that. What, 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 what in the Word of God do you think, well, this is not for me? Nothing. 
That's, that's, what, I, that's, that's what we want to hear. Yeah, so reflect on that. And that's, that's the truth. That is the truth of the matter. We're not disqualified from any of that. But reflect on that. And ask God to minister to you in that, that, that place of pain if there's one there for you. Fourth one, last one, 1058, doing okay. Obedience. It's a nasty word, isn't it? Obedience. Again, if I visit someone's home, I always defer to the head of the household. I'd choose to do that. Um, I consider what they like, what they allow, what they don't allow. Again, see the example of the shoes. I'm a slow learner, but I got there eventually. I, took my sh- I take my shoes off when I go to those homes. Um, and another example is that is when we oftentimes when we gather together as a pastor, people ask me to, to bless the food and pray for the food. I always encourage the head of the household to do that because I believe that's that's the, that's their authority and that's their role to do that in that place. Um, Christ is the head of our household, so as we abide and we dwell with Him, we make our residence in His house, the church, the body of Christ. Uh, we need to just acknowledge His headship and respond to who He's leading to obey. Be prepared to obey. John 14 says, Jesus replied, All of them who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will make a home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. And this is my, one of my other favourite scriptures. Micah 6, verses 6 to 8 says, What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I love that scripture. I'll preach about that another day. It's just amazing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. As simple as that. Obedience is simple. Example in that in First Samuel where we have Saul, King Saul, is instructed by through the Lord, to, by the Lord through Samuel to annihilate the Amalekites, completely wipe them out. Just to, he said, don't leave anything. He says, nothing. No ox, no sheep, no camel, no nothing. Everything was to be removed. So Samuel turns up. Um, post-annihilation and he says and it's in the scripture actually says is that the sound of bleating I hear so Samuel decided he was going to keep a few sheep and a few goats the best ones of course to sacrifice to the Lord no wrong answer wipe them out Samuel, first Samuel 15 says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Hmm. What I want to reflect out of that. Number one, test our motives. We need to be honest in our assessment of our action and our motives. What was, what was Saul's motives in, ret- in retaining those, those few livestock? And we need to be the same thing. We need to reflect on our own motives in our actions. The second one that came to my mind as I read that scripture is sometimes God's asked us, asked us 
to step away from things which in our perspective are good, which in our perspective are profitable, which are in our perspectives are valuable. He asks us to step away from those things. He's done that to me. And I'm, it, was, it, it, it can be difficult. Can I, can I say that I, if, you, if, you, if you feel pain about that, then I understand that, that that's... that's it is, but he calls to do that. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And he knows the end from the beginning. That's the beauty of God's all-powerful understanding. He knows the end from the beginning. He guides us and he loves us. He has a destiny for each and every one of us. Can I go back to my example of entering someone's home? So... Whenever Barb and I go to visit someone, usually, if we're organised, we'll bring a gift. As most people think, you think, I always feel a little bit empty-handed when I come if I don't bring a, some sort of gift to offer to a, to a host. If I do that, if I choose to do that not to honour the host and to reject the things they hold dear, to wear my boots into the household of the Filipinos and the South Africans and bring them a gift, no matter how good that gift is, no matter whether it's exactly what they want, I've really put that, that gift in jeopardy by my attitude, by my heart attitude, by not being respectful of, the, of what they believe and understand. I jeopardise the value of that gift. Maybe it can be for us too. You might be saying to me, well, Paul, that sounds a bit like the old rules. That sounds a bit like the old covenant, like do good, get good, do bad, get bad. No, that's not, that can't be further from the tree. I don't want that to, to be the, the message you take home this morning. That's not this. We're not under the old covenant. We're living under the grace at this point. We live under that point where we come as we are, as I said before. Let's just step up that story of entering someone home. Is Trevor and Gay still here? Oh, there So I could go and spend some time at Trevor and Gay's household, as many people do. And I could say, well, I really love your household, Trevor and Gay. I think I might like to become a honey church. Um, actually, they're probably a bad example because with their mercy gifting and their love, they probably would <laughs> probably see if they could work out a way to get me to fit into the team. But most of us, most of us would just, as they took me by the arm and walked me, said, well, it's been wonderful to have you here, Paul. Thanks very much. <laughs> another person to feed, another person to watch over, another scarce resource drained out of our household. But that's not what God says, is it? He doesn't say that. As we come to that place, I want to be a part of your household. He says, great, let's begin to show you what it means to be a part of our family. And with that grace, that unmerited favour, which allows me to stand in this holy place full of um, shortcomings and sin and issues in my own life, and we all, we all know that. We can be, if, if it was about the old covenant, then none of us could be in this building and, and understand the presence of God. Through his grace, his unmerited favour, we can be in this place together, in his presence, in his very pleasant presence this morning, every moment of every day, and begin to become the person he always intended each and every one of us to be, to walk into that destiny that he has for each and every one of us today. Yeah. And when Samuel was anointing David, he picked him out of the, the, the fancy brothers, the other brothers. What did he say? The scripture says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected them, him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
the Lord looks to the heart. And he's looking for a broken and contrite spirit who understands that we can't make it on our own. And then at that first scripture says that he can work with that. He can work with us as we come with that broken and contrite spirit into his presence. And he can transform and allow that destiny to be revealed in each and every one of us this morning. So how to reset the factory settings. Let's run through them quickly to pray, to pray and seek his presence. To persist in that prayer, to persist in that, that challenge. To proclaim those words, those truths, even though circumstances would say things are different. Proclaim those truths into our life and to obey. To come to that place of, of, of seeking what he has for us. Because we understand that he always has the best for us. He always has the best. Let me pray for you as we finish this morning. Father, I just thank you that you see each and every one of us and you, and you know us intimately. You have a, and that, again, I just pray that we would understand the destiny that you have for each person in this building, Father. I pray that we, again, would understand that we can be, have that, that, that the world would seek to distract us and to take us off the track that you've placed in before us, to, to fiddle with our factory settings, Father. I pray that you would just allow us to reset today father as we do that journey with you father that you'd reset our faculties to understand that we are sons and daughters of the most high god father i just pray for anyone here this morning who who doesn't understand that that saving grace the fact that you can come boldly into this place father pray that you this morning allow them to understand and to, to experience that that love and that acceptance this morning in jesus name we pray amen be blessed you are a blessed people Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.